Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Welcome to podcast number seven, Embracing the Change, Sex and Intimacy After Menopause. So Mary, my husband is from New Zealand originally, and he talks about a particular expression they have there, and I imagine also in England. You know, Queen Elizabeth is characterized as being so very dutiful. And so there's a joke that if the woman doesn't feel like having sex, but the man does, that she should just lie back and think of the queen. (laughs) (laughs) We discussed another loss of libido after menopause in our last podcast. But I wonder, is that what sex has to be? Do we just have to lie back and think of the queen for the rest of our lives? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) The thing is, there is a lot we can do to increase our intimacy and increase our enjoyment of sex after menopause. It's not this dry desert of duty only. Right, because I think a lot of women are still interested. One thing, I didn't mention this in Loss of Libido, but usually if a woman is in a new relationship, there's a lot of interest in sexual activity. You know, there's a lot of bonding, pair bonding that happens in sex. And many of us are in relationships 10, 15, 20, 30 years in the making. And maybe there's not as much pull towards pair bonding. Maybe there's just a comfort level. Maybe there is. Yeah, that sense of familiarity can be wonderful and also an obstacle. Right. Because, and the other thing, our husbands are older too. They're changing (laughs) and we're changing. Right. Yeah. So they find at the age of 65 is kind of the turning point in the man's libido when their testosterone level drops a bit and they're not as anxious. Like we're talking about our sons that always thinking about sex or what I think is kind of amusing, seeing penises everywhere. You know, it's, there's the hose. Oh my gosh, it looks just like a penis. And it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't. doesn't really. Can't say that. So, but I think as testosterone drops, there's less of that physical drive in the man to for sex. I think so too. But there's kind of a betwixt and between where the woman's libido has gone down and the man's has not. And I mean, this is just a time of change for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for and, and of course, I want to include same-sex partners as well. Things mm-hmm. are just changing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the most important things to do during this time of change is to be open with our partners. You know, it's so, so very important to be able to talk about and say your truth, whatever that truth is. Yeah, yeah, to have that open line of communication. It's essential for everything, including good sex and intimacy. So if you're having some sexual difficulties, if your libido is low, talk about it. You don't have to pretend that it's as it used to be. I imagine that your partner will feel just as relieved and um, it opens the door for our partners to communicate as well in that vein. So when there are difficulties, it could be treated as something that you can work out together. So it's not just yours, it's both of yours. And this is where it becomes really important to own your own side of the street, right? This is what I'm feeling. It's not, you're not wrong for wanting to have sex. 
I'm feeling this in my body. And so I don't feel like I can show up in the way you want me to show up, I think is a really powerful thing to say, because I think too often we're looking around for place and blame somewhere. Yeah, or we're just trying to suppress what's going on and lie down and think of the queen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to try that next time. (laughs) I don't recommend it. Um, yeah, so it's being creative. You know, if, if you this is something, a project, if you will, that you take on together, then you can find some creative solutions that might work. Right. There's always something more to be done, right? There's always some way you can make anything you're going into more pleasant. Yeah, I mean, just as an example, so that we're not talking theoretically, mm-hmm. let's let's get a little graphic. And by the way, If you have little ones around, um, this information is going to be fairly graphic. So use your discretion in listening. Um, So sexual intercourse, you know, penetration doesn't have to be the only option for physical intimacy. There, what else can there be, Mary? Well, I think there's touch. It's they say that if you hug for ten seconds, you build oxytocin, you release oxytocin, which is the same hormone that you're trying to release in orgasm. It's the same hormone that you release when you look someone in the eyes mm-hmm. and you feel that connection. And so, hugging, you know, having a time when you greet each other, whether that's in the morning or before you're going to bed at night, just some time where you've increased physical intimacy. Just touch. Nice. Um, just a little by the by, I've heard that when women talk with each other for more than 20 minutes, that the oxytocin level rises. And I think that's true. I mean, women love getting together and talking. We, we feel so good afterwards. Mm-hmm. We feel a connection. And that's the purpose of oxytocin. Yes. Is to create bonding. It's what floods the newborns, the mothers of a newborn, what floods her brain so that she feels bonded. But it's also released at orgasm. And it's released every time we connect with someone. And Anytime so talking, there's intimacy. So talking with our partners. Yes. You know, yeah. that can be really powerful. That can. That, is, can. that can even be considered foreplay. Even if you don't go to penetration, that can be considered foreplay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, skin-to-skin contact... Um, Mm -hmm. A sense of playfulness in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Sharing massages, foot massages, Mm -hmm. head massages, working your way down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the thing is, I think what's nice, what's nice for me, I should say, is when it doesn't always have to end in sex, you feel a little bit freer to be playful and to be intimate. I remember in previous relationships always feeling Like, I couldn't open the door to playfulness because I didn't really feel like having sex and it was always going to go there. I felt a bit, I know I mentioned this to you before, Janae, but there's a scene in the Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall, where they're both seeing counselors and the Diane Keaton character, Annie Hall, is saying, oh my God, he just wants sex all the time. We're having sex, you know, three times a week. And then they cut away to Woody Allen talking to his counselor and he's saying, oh my God, we never have sex. She never wants to have sex. We're only having it like three times a week. And I think it's, you know, that perspective of, you know, the attitude we bring to it is different. It is so relative. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons that open communication is so important. Right. It builds intimacy. It does. And, you know, because I knew we were going to do this podcast, Mary, I've been kind of thinking about it. So this morning I posed a question to my husband. I said, do you wish that we had sex more often? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, I'm actually quite tired lately. <laughs> and it was 
was just good to know because I have a little bit of the lie back and think of the queen mentality where I, I want my husband to be happy and not feel that I'm not fulfilling that need for him. And um, so it was just, it was so good to, to ask and get an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's uh, where I was going originally was with this concept of not every interaction has to end up in bed. Yes. And that's kind of freeing. Yeah. And that allows you to be feel safe in the interchanges. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add a little amendment to that. Every activity in bed does not necessarily have to lead to sex. Right. I mean, there can, as we mentioned, touch and that sort of thing can be done just for touch's sake. That's true. For its own pleasure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But what about if I did want to have sex? Anything's in there for what you can do to improve that? Was there? Well, we talked in our last podcast about the whole vaginal dryness issue, yeah, which can cause a lot of pain and discomfort for women. We've both experienced that. Right. So um, if you want the extensive perspective on that, do listen to podcast number six. That was six. six. That was number six. Right. But can you mm. mention, just say a little bit about I that? Think, well, I think not adding to lubrication, but the thing that came up for me was this concept of you want to feel good in your body. Yeah. You know, whatever you got to do. If it's showering beforehand, if it's putting cologne on or putting on something, it's that creating the mental image of yourself being really beautiful and desirable will support your body to feel beautiful and desirable. That's very true. I, You know, our society is constantly showing us images of youth and beauty. It's yes. starting to shift just a little bit, but the vast majority of the media images that you see equate being young with being beautiful and not with being older and being beautiful. Yeah, you know, something that comes to mind for me is I just got my monthly AARP magazine and Sally Field's on the cover. And I really like Sally Field and I was reading the article about her. And then I went back and I looked at her pictures and, you know, we're concerned about social media images, the impact they have on teenagers not feeling good about their bodies because they're seeing models who are very thin and very beautiful and they look in the mirror and they may not be thin and beautiful. But it kind of impacted me a little bit. I look a lot older than Sally Field. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, what she was doing, doing Gidget when I was a kid. And so she's at least 15 years older than me. And it was just, I don't know, a little disheartening. Yeah. It, that was kind of sad. And then Jane Fonda is turning 80 and she looks beautiful. She looks fantastic. But is it a realistic expectation? If, if my mindset is I have to look like that in order to be beautiful, I got to tell you, I'm not achieving that. It's those negative messages Mm -hmm. coming at us once again. And that, Mary, is why I love Meryl Streep. Oh, so so tell me about Meryl Streep. She's beautiful, too. She's beautiful, but she's not super thin. Um, I don't think she's had, if she's had some, I don't think she's had too much work done. She looks like an aging woman. Mm -hmm. Once she was asked, what do you absolutely know for sure? And her answer was, I absolutely know for sure that I will never lose the 10 pounds that I gained with my first child. (laughs) And I loved that. It's like she didn't put that on herself, that she had to lose that weight, even being the celebrity that she was Mm -hmm. and is. See, that's nice to see models of, role models of embracing this aging process and walking through it really gracefully. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
So if we can just be aware when we see those media images of older women who have had a lot of work done Mm -hmm. to make themselves not look like such older women, if we can just as the younger women and men have to do is if we can remember that this is, you know, a false image. This is not how the rest of us look Mm -hmm. and even should look. Then I think we'll feel a lot better about ourselves. Right. And the images may be photoshopped. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But having said that, we do want to feel beautiful in our own right, Right. or at least good. Mm -hmm. So we want to feel that we look good in our partner's eyes. Right. And so that takes, I mean, last podcast, we talked a lot about regular exercise. It takes feeling good in your body. Right. Um, I do believe that no matter how a woman looks, if she feels good in her body, that that carries off a, a, so much. I mean, it's, oh, definitely. it's a huge aspect of just feeling good and you carry yourself a certain way and you act a certain way. It's an inner confidence. That's true. That's true. Inner confidence will show outward beauty. Yeah. That's very much reflected in that movie, I Feel Pretty. Oh, right. Right. If you haven't that seen was really it, fun. I recommend it. That was fun. Just the concept of someone that society is saying isn't good looking and then her just saying, no, I rock this. And people turn around and say, oh, wait a minute. And I think we see a lot of, again, going back to celebrities, we see a lot of celebrities like that who may not have a look which is immediately appealing, but as they shine then they really become very attractive. I remember this as a kid watching Barbara Streisand movies. Is the movie would start and I always be saying, why is she up there? I don't think she's very pretty. And by the end of the movie, I thought she was beautiful. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. inner uh, reflecting mm-hmm. the outer. Right. So I, my, I'm Jewish on my parents' side. So Barbara Streisand was always kind of a personal thing to me. When I was a teenager, I had an afro and so did she. And strangers, random strangers would come up and tell me I looked like Barbara Streisand. And I remember sitting on a bench in the park and I mean, I was like middle teenage years and a woman came up and said, well, has anyone ever told you you look exactly like Barbara Streisand? And I burst into tears. <laughs> I, I'm trying to picture that. You looking like Barbara Streisand. Now that's all I'm going to see. You cross your eyes a little bit. <laughs> I wish I could sing like Barbara Streisand, you know. And, and now I look at her without any judgment. And I, too, I see this woman of immense talent and beauty. So, And that's one of the glories of age. Yeah. Uh, you get a larger perspective of what beauty is. That's true. That's certainly true. So what about sex after surgery? I mean, some of us have had to deal with mastectomies or hysterectomies, and obviously that's a pretty radical change in our bodies, and it's not that easy to feel good yeah. about your body after that. It's, it's a huge adjustment. So what do we do? It seems to me the first thing is developing a relationship with this new body. In Ayurveda, they do a massage, a self-massage called Abhyanga in the morning using oil and applying it onto the body. And I think as as soon as the body is healed enough for touch, touching those parts of your body and loving those parts of your body, I think the first relationship with your body has to be your own. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I think is really allowing yourself to wait until you feel ready to step into that. Some people have wonderful supportive partners who are going to be able to embrace and love them regardless. And others will have partners that are not quite so open. Yeah. And so first first really being comfortable in the body yourself 
and sharing your fears too, especially in something like having a mastectomy or I remember having abdominal surgery and having a big scar running up the center of my belly and it just was unattractive and I didn't like it. And it was difficult because I I know my partner at the time would have been, who was adverse to it, um, but he still wanted to have sex, Hmm. you know, and I, I still remembered the discomfort that I experienced having sex not really being ready. And so things, you know, do what I say and not what I do, but I want you to really feel ready. I agree. Um, Honor yourself and your own rhythms. Right. But that's not to say that if you're not feeling ready, you you might want to explore at least stepping in the door and Mm -hmm. seeing Mm -hmm. um, if those feelings and the enjoyment of sex might step Mm -hmm. in there with you. Yes, and I think with um, following surgery, open the door to physical intimacy prior to sexuality in the ways we're talking about with with touch, with just intimate conversations, playful conversations, getting comfortable with this, the body in its new form and letting your, your partner get comfortable with the body in its new form because it's not about sex. It is about physical intimacy and about that sharing because when you come from that physical intimacy, the sex will follow more naturally. Yes. So again, a, a woman's sexual organ is primarily the one between her ears. And that open communication is such a huge one for us. Okay. And I think one of the facts of life in the U.S. is that women live longer than men. Mm-hmm. I know when my dad passed away, my mom would start doing walking groups and tour groups and things with women. And she said, there's just no men out there. You know, right. Of course, she wasn't looking for a new man, but at the same time, um, she was recognizing that if she wanted to be active, it was going to be in groups of women. And they were, I think this is more the standard. And so when there's no partner, not being afraid to do what you what you want to do and to feel okay in your body, yeah. again, I think is really important. Yeah. So again, it's about honoring your mm-hmm. body yeah. and its needs. I find with the Abhyanga that's the self-massage. Now, this is a body self-massage, not a not a sexual organ self-massage. But it gives you that sense of physical touch. It gives you that sense of body-to-body contact, even if it's your own body. I remember thinking this with my mom when she had dementia at the end of her life. And I just wanted so badly for someone to give her a massage. I wanted her to feel touch mm-hmm. because there was that was lacking. And I think so often we're we're averse to touch. So again, developing that relationship with yourself first can be really powerful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think really, uh, I mean, the baseline for having a, a post-menopause, beautiful sexual relationship and intimacy starts with our relationship with ourself and our level of confidence and our level of self-intimacy Um, that becomes the foundation from which everything else takes place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love talking about this. We probably have some more to go on with it. No doubt. (laughs) So we may revisit the topic. If you have anything you'd like to add, we'd love to hear from you. On our website, there's a Contact Us section, and you can let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thanks for this, Mary. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time.